Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFiera. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? LJ, doing good. Always enjoy sitting down Sunday nights uh, to record. We usually record Monday through Saturday at some point during the day, but it's always nice. Sunday nights, the, the last game is always over around 10 o'clock at the latest um, and can just recap the weekend. And it was quite an eventful weekend uh, in the MLB, as always. There's always something to talk about, it seems, uh, at least when you have LJ and I. Um, we, find a, we find a way. Life life finds a way, Brandon. It absolutely does. But, um, you know, we should start off with, you know, some some bad news, I guess. Well, not bad news, but just covering a story that has been increasingly getting worse and worse as the season's gone on. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds, you know, we bring on Charlie Goldsmith prior to the season, the one beat writer we get, um, and it just so happens that he is a Cincinnati Reds beat writer, and um, they are 3-19. and They've lost 17 of their last 18 games. They have a run differential of negative 65. No other team has anything lower than negative 41, which is the Pirates. Um, they're one in 15 against teams above 500. Um, and they're one in seven at home. They've dropped six in a row. And, you know, we expected them to not be good. You know, we expect teams like the Orioles and, uh, the Pirates, the Nationals, uh, the Diamondbacks, you know, we expect these teams to be bad, but this is almost a new level of incompetence to start the season. I did a little bit of research, found that the team with the worst start through 22 games was actually the 1988 Baltimore Orioles in which they of course. they lost, um, I'm going to tell you right now, it was either like their first 21 games or something. Um, they started off 0-21. Um Reds certainly aren't at that, and I remember talking on opening day when they beat the Braves in Atlanta. We were like, "Hey, like they." Or then after the opening uh, series, they split that series with the Braves. We're like, "Hey, you know, like this is really not bad at this point." There's certainly something to take out of this series, and 
I mean, since then there has been it's been all downhill. They've gotten one win. Yeah, Jonathan India is put on the IL. Joey Votto is last in the major leagues in WAR with negative point nine. Um, I mean, LJ, what's 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 going on? Well, first off, let me start with the fact that can you imagine if somebody went zero and twenty one in the modern game? Like, I feel like the, the sports culture is very different now than it was in 1988. There would be a parade before the last three games of that losing streak. Like, at that point, we've gotten to a point where fan bases enjoy celebrating losing so much that that would be like the biggest media story in the world at that point in time if somebody lost 21 straight games to start the season. But at the same time, I can't imagine it being anyone else but Baltimore. As for this team, it's just, again, it's a very, it's a very confusing process, you know, because I struggle to find a redemptive quality on this team. I mean, I guess, again, Hunter Green's throwing 100 miles an hour. That's cool. But past that, I see, I see very little next to nothing that, um, I can really sit here and say, oh, this is going to get better. They could get a little better. I mean, this is talking about them 26, they're 26th in runs right now. That might be their peak with the teams they've got here. I mean, again, there's just, there's no, next to no impact bats right now. And the one impact bat, you're going to end up reasonably probably with two impact bats, Jonathan India and second half Joey Votto. But it's about getting that second half. The pitching is significantly worse than we thought, which is really Correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon. Wasn't this a lot of what the rebuild and the reload or whatever they want to call it was about was getting this core, getting these arms ready, getting these guys to be, you know, quality contributors to the major league team, getting them up and excited and people, people excited about it, but also to get people to get them the experience for a year or two from now when they're good. Like, if anything, you should have expected there to be an, at least an improvement in the rotation or even in the bullpen too with this new uh, process they were going to try on with doing um, multiple different closers and stuff like that that um, Charlie Goldsmith was talking about. Definitely check that interview out again if you haven't. But yeah, I just I can't find a spot where this really should get that much better. I mean, yes, maybe some of these bats heat a little bit farther up, but I mean, really, what are you looking for? You're looking for Joey Votto to be, re, become Joey Votto again. And you're looking for a little more power out of Kyle Farmer. That's not something that turns a team around. No. And, you know, the one perplexing thing, you go to the pitching. They they waived Wade Miley, who still had his contract left. He still had one more year on this contract, $10 million. The guy put up, I'm going to pull it up right now. He had, where is it? He had five and a half war in 2021. And you just let him go to the Cubs. You, and like, I know he hasn't pitched yet this year, but still, you, you, you let him walk. You make what is looking like a really dumb trade, just giving up Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez. And then it's like, oh, it's fine. We'll just sign Tommy Pham. I mean, like, what? Are, 
it just seems isn't that, more... isn't that like an even replacement of production? Oh, what are you talking about? Oh, sure, sure. I mean, Tommy Pham's been their best hitter this year, and his slash line is two twenty one, three twelve, four twelve. Um, I just I I don't know what they're looking for here. Tyler Molly, who had a great season last year, actually a really good season. I mean, you're looking at. Um, a three seven five ERA in 180 innings, 210 strikeouts. He led the majors in games started, stayed healthy for the whole year. 5.1 WAR. He's got off to a bad start. Um, Hunter Green has that nice start against the Dodgers, and since then has not been a lot to like. Other than the fact that he's young, he's only 22. And I know he's going to pick it up. You can't expect that much out of him, but. Certainly not what you're looking you're for. Looking, you're looking for him to act like a three at best your rookie year. He's 22. Like, how much can you really ask out of a, out of a pitcher that's this young? Um, this this bullpen is a mess. I mean, the only guy I'm looking at here, the stats that ha- looks any good, is Alexis Diaz, who, quite frankly, I've never heard of. Um, nine innings, a one ERA, um, I guess Jeff Hoffman and Buck Farmer are all right, but last in the majors in OPS plus, last in the majors in ERA plus. This is this is what incompetence is all about, and I don't blame. I mean, I don't blame the fans for you know showing up with with bags on their head for not wanting to support this team. Um, I just. How do you go from making the playoffs in 2020 to just this right now? I mean, this is a massive fall from grace. And I don't see what the future is here. I, I really don't. I mean, you look at well, the payroll. It's $111 million right now. You, they don't have much on the books for next year. But I, I don't know where you go. I, I really don't at this point. Like, what is – it's not like – Hunter Green and Ellie De La Cruz are going to be able to carry this franchise in five years. Sure, Jonathan India will be all right, but I, I don't know, LJ. Well, I think the issue is the fact that, you know, we have no direction for the next three years is more the thing. Like, you know, you're talking about theoretically, yeah, Ellie De La Cruz, Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, they could be the cornerstones of this team, but you don't bring the cornerstones up and then not have anything else to build around them right away. They need support if they're going to be successful and they're not going to have support right now. Realistically, what you're talking about here is you're talking about a team that's not going to be close to moving in the right direction till probably 2025, because that's when you're talking about, you know, you got Ellie, Ellie De La Cruz isn't going to be up for another couple of years, still in high A. So you're talking about him and whoever they pick at number one next year as being the other two. Uh, just throwing the towel in. We have admitted yeah. that there is no chance that a team has a worse has a worse uh, record than, than the Reds. Baltimore who? Um, yeah, no, I just, again, like that you're talking about a 2025 when they can start to turn it around. That's unacceptable from a franchise to not have a legitimate plan at this point. And especially with Joey Votto. Like that's the guy who really gets – if we're talking about people who get screwed, yes, the fans get screwed, but at least some of these fans are starting to find that silver lining because as much as we're talking about the Reds, we're talking about the management. We're talking about the front office. We're not talking about these players. These players are, are playing hard. They haven't given up. 
they're not quitting. Overall, they're coming and playing hard, and the fans respect that because they like the team. What they don't respect is what's been going on in the front office with the ownership, the amount of money that's been put into this team. That's what they have a problem with. So they're going, they're, they're going to support the players. They're not supporting the team. And the other people who get the person who gets screwed over is Joey Votto, because you're talking about a guy at 38 who still has it. Yes. But how much longer can he still have it? How much longer does he like, are we talking about three years of Joey Votto being able to pull off the regular Joey Votto special and be typical Joey Votto? No, you're talking about now because you've decided not to spend on your team multiple times. I mean, Let's keep in mind they could have easily, if they wanted to be competitive, kept Trevor Bauer around as well. I mean, I know we know we know what's going on with that, and that if there was any suspect of something going on there, I'm not surprised that they didn't tr- really actively try to go back and get him. But operating under the assumption that they didn't know, just as the rest of us didn't know that there was anything to report until last last summer, why why not go after him there? Why not spend more money last offseason? Why not spend more money this offseason to bring a good pool of players around the positions that you know you're going to be eventually filling into? No, you you know, you absolutely um, hit that right on the head. Um, I'm just kind of looking at, like, some draft stuff for this year. The Reds, they don't have a pick until pick 18. <laughs> so, well, you actually, that. Right now, that- that might not be a bad spot to be right now with um, Brandon. I'm not sure if you saw, but Dylan Lesko ended up getting TJ. I saw that. Was so, he supposed to be like the number one pick or one of the top guys? He was, he was supposed to be the number one pick. And honestly, I've heard a couple people say they wouldn't be surprised if he was still the number one pick. They wouldn't be surprised if he was in the top 10. But as of right now, I'm seeing him in that 15 to 20 range. Okay. And really that's because this is a really bad class for pitching. Like there's next to no one. And before he got Tommy John, he was head and shoulders above the rest of the field as far as the pitchers go. So that's going to play into his favor no matter what. Well, enough talk about the Reds. Let's switch to the other extreme and we'll just touch on them briefly because I'll have a lot of comments about my Yankees on tomorrow's power ranking show, but when did they go public, Brandon? <laughs> Sorry. When did they go public? Uh, Ownership stake. <laughs> well, my New York Yankees. Um, they. Sorry, sir. Someone just blasting music outside right now. Um, yeah, that's okay. The Yankees have won nine in a row. Um, they have a great come from behind win against the Royals today. I know for a fact that the 2020 or 2021 Yankees would not have won that game today. Great at-bat from Isaiah Kiner for Leffer in the seventh inning. 12-pitch walk ends up really setting the tone for the comeback. And really just loving how they're playing baseball right now. I mean, you get a great start from Garrett Cole yesterday, finally. Um, You get... An okay start from Luis Severino today. Got into some trouble towards the end of his outing today. But, I mean, overall, there's not really much to complain about. And, you know, the big reason I wanted to talk about the Yankees, like, sure, they're on this big streak. But now it's getting into this next series starting tomorrow 
at Toronto. Um, the Yankees right now sit at 16 and 6. The Blue Jays are 15 and 8. Um, and just a massive three game series for the Yanks. They'll have Jordan Montgomery going against Ross Stripling in game one. Um, and, you know, it'll be really interesting to see how our back end of the rotation does against Toronto. Um, Toronto's not throwing really any of their top arms, but they have Alec Manoa going in game two, who has historically just killed the Yankees, especially this year. You say Kikuchi, Yankees always seem to struggle against him. He's a lefty. He'll be going against Nestor Cortez in game three. And um, just a massive series for the Yankees at this point. Um, and, you know, I can only hope that they take two out of three. Um, I think that's best case scenario. Like, obviously, a sweep is possible, but um, Toronto's playing really good baseball at the moment. Um, and surprising that LJ, they're 15 and eight and have a plus one run differential. I saw something today. They've already played 11 games that have been decided by one run. <laughs> it's exactly. it's crazy. It's going gonna, it's gonna to bite them in the butt at some point. Um, it's really just a matter of sitting and waiting for that to happen. But I think you're also not giving credit where credit is due to this pitching staff because you did just name a 2021 All-Star and a guy with a sub-three career ERA in there who's currently sub-three as well with Ross Stripling as guys to not be entirely concerned about um, I think that might be a little bit much, but either way, um, it's, yeah, this, uh, this series is going to be huge. This is going to be, you know, this is put up or shut up time type situation for the Yankees. I think as much as it's great, it's great with the run they've gone on, but we've seen the Yankees strategy to the season is, all right, we're going to put ourselves in the best situation to win the big games. And Yes, they were still they were still probably doing that a little bit. I think with this last series, um, especially seeing you had a weak opponent, and they've done well to win these games. They don't always manage to win the uh, easy ones, but what they do can have consistently over the last couple of years, where they've sacrificed games against lesser teams for the big ones, is they haven't pulled out the big ones. This series is massive for the Yankees because this is part in part going to show us how good this team actually is. I mean, I, I'm going to respect, I respect the numbers a hundred percent, but at the end of the day, if you can't get it done against the playoff teams, if you can't get it done with the people that you're actually competing for, for the, with, for the division, then you're not going to end up being very successful. You can pick You can pick on Toronto and Baltimore and, uh, or not Toronto, Kansas city and Baltimore and Arizona, all you want. But when it comes to Tampa Toronto, Boston, Houston, that's another story. Those games, if if you think that you have a championship contender here, you have to get those games done. No, I I totally agree, and it's certainly going to be a series I'll be absolutely locked into. Speaking of the Royals, though, um, we'll talk about how one of their top prospects, actually I think their top prospect, let me pull it up here, MJ Melendez. Um, will be promoted um, after the backup catcher Cam Gallagher goes to the IL. Um, he, he's ranked, MJ Melendez ranked as the 42nd best prospect in all of the MLB. LJ, he led the minors last year with a total of 41 home runs. Um, I don't know what it is with the Royals and these power hitting catchers, but 
they're doing something right. Um, I mean, 41 homers across a minor league season is is crazy. Um, and, you know, this is a guy who's been off to a slower start this season. He's only hitting 160 in AAA. But he's going to have a great chance and just a great opportunity to, you know, be on the MLB roster for, you know, at least 10 days um, until Cam Gallagher comes off the IL, gets mentored by Salvador Perez. Um, and a lot of people say that, um, you know, he's kind of like, I hate to make this comparison, but like a Gary Sanchez type where you have the arm behind the plate and he can throw runners out. But uh, a lot of sites say that he has a lot of work to do with his framing, his blocking, his, his, his uh, calling of the game, which is also something that's super prevalent with the Royals as Salvador Perez has consistently ranked as one of the worst worst defensive catchers across his time since we've been able to see these advanced stats. So I'm really excited to see what he can do. I'll always be excited to see a team bring up one of their top prospects um, and, you know, hoping that he can, you know, make an impact there as that would be a great passing of the torch in a few years if they can go Salvador Perez to MJ Melendez. Yeah, this guy's a very interesting case because, you know, the defense isn't all there. But, you know, this is this is a really solid mix offensively, especially from the catcher position. The thing I look at most here going into his 2021 stats, you're talking about of the 41 home runs, 28 came in double a over about about half as many he had half as many games uh in double in triple a as he did double a excuse me 28 home runs to 13 home runs but even though there was a very minor dip in power production you're seeing a lot of other major positives in that stretch and at triple a you're talking about increase in batting average a huge increase on base and that's really what I'm more concerned about is the increase in, on base and actually lower strikeouts last year when he made that switch. Because, Brandon, there's a reason that guys, once they get up to the major league level, they don't fall past AAA very often. Yeah. AAA is effectively the exact same style, the exact same like technical and mental skill, intelligence about the game as the majors is, just with worse players. So if he's, if he's able to improve his eye, his on base, all that stuff on the AAA level compared to what he was doing on the AA level, then that shows he's going to be in a really good position when he eventually breaks out in the majors. The other thing you have to consider here too is half the stuff that you mentioned there could easily be dead within the next five years. Yeah. As far as the uh, the defense, because you're talking about robo-umps probably going to come in the next two to three years. That takes out pitch framing. And now that we have the pitch com, there is very little stopping them from saying, okay, pitching coaches can call it from the bullpen or can, they can call it from the dugout. So, and we well, still see like some teams where you'll see the catcher look over to the dugout for every yeah. single pitch. So, exactly. So, there's a lot of ways that I think the defense, his defensive deficiencies can be taken out of his hand, hands. Absolutely. I'm I'm super excited to see, like I said, any top prospect that comes up. I, I always am very interested to watch. Um and let's see how we're doing on time here. Oh, we're doing pretty good. Um let's let's transition to a, a feel good story where uh LJ, we had the first ever um female 
to start an Atlantic League game. Her name is Kelsey Whitmore. She, I mean, this is a huge historic moment. She became the first woman to be in the starting lineup for an Atlantic League game, playing left field and batting ninth for the Staten Island Ferry Hawks. Um, she went 0 for 2 with a strikeout um, and was hit by a pitch and then got replaced uh, for a pinch hitter. And she made two putouts in left field. She is the first woman, or this article says, one of the first women to sign a contract with a professional league that is affiliated with Major League Baseball. Uh, she is also a two-way player. She's eligible to pitch and hit in the same game um, because, LJ, the Atlantic League also adopted the Shohei Otani rule. So, I mean, this is awesome. She began her professional career when she was 18. She was playing in an independent league. She played for the USA Women's National Baseball Team um, and at the 2019 Pan Am Games, I mean, these stats are crazy. 1.35 ERA, hit 348 um, in those games. And this is just awesome. I mean, the fact that she can clearly hold her own is is incredible. Um, and, you know, women belong in sports. I'll say it right there. And the fact that she was given an opportunity, um, not just because she is a female, but because she is clearly very talented, is just freaking awesome. Yeah, it is. And again, all, all the success to her, you know, it's not, these are uncharted waters. So it'll really be interesting to see what the path is for her. Because I mean, there's no, this isn't certain, there's no reason to doubt her ability to do it. It's just a matter of, you know, it, it's going to take the time, it's going to take the effort. And I really hope for the good of the sport, that she's willing to put all that in. Absolutely. Um, I think that, you know, this is, we saw Rachel Balkovec, who is the Yankees single A manager right now. Um, we saw her become the first ever female to be the manager of a professional team. Uh, we saw her name is, uh, I'm blanking on her name, um, the lady for the Giants who was, an on-base coach or was the first base coach um, in their game after they had like a few ejections the other day really big year like really big few months for females within the sport of baseball absolutely um lj uh anything else i know you wanted to talk a little bit about julio rodriguez we certainly have time you have like a, a few things that you certainly want to bring up um, things that I wasn't even aware of, but I would I would love for you to share this with the podcast, and I will shut up for about two minutes while you uh, go on this little tangent, I guess. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I'd love to go on this little tangent because this dude is a lot more legit than I think people think or are giving him credit for at this point. Because first off, a lot of people and the right the right people were finally looking at it. Thankfully. But, like, he was getting absolutely screwed on some of the calls the first couple of weeks. Like, some of his strikeouts had no business being strikeouts. And you're talking about a guy who's got a strikeout rate currently in the third percentile. And it's just, you know, it's missed. They were, they were flat-out missed calls a lot. And that can really screw with a guy's confidence, a young guy that can screw with his head. But either way, you're talking about a guy who, even though he hadn't gotten the bat going up until very recently, one of the hardest hitters in the league, the fastest guy in the league right now. And more importantly, 
Brandon, can you imagine this? What if I told you over a month stretch, somebody had a batting average under the Mendoza line? Now, what if I told you they led the league in stolen bases during that stretch? How is that possible? You have less than a, there, there was, I'm going to figure out, hold on, let me pull up his on base real quick. Because either way, on hits alone, you're talking about a less than 20% chance you're on base. You are talking about a currently a 28% chance that you're on. That's not including situations where stealing isn't possible. So you're looking at a guy nine, nine to no on stolen base attempts, nine for nine. And the fact that they've given him that many just shows how talented is a base dealer and how fast he is because you don't see those many, that many, that high percentage of opportunities given to most players. It's insane. It, it absolutely is. And it's not like that some of these other stats aren't looking good for him. The hard hit percentage, 86th percentile in the league. The average exit velocity, he's in the top uh, third of the league in the 66th percentile. Sprint speed, 99th percentile, pretty obvious there. And then you look at like the outs above average, and he's been one of the better fielders in the league so far this year. I mean, the amount of value that he's been able to bring to the Mariners at only 21 years old, and that's not even bringing into account all the stuff that LJ just brought up, how he's just been getting screwed over by the umps. And I will certainly, when I have time, go and look at some of these calls because based on what LJ has told me, um, some of these calls against him are pretty egregious. It's rough. And it makes me wonder, I wonder if there is like a website or a Twitter account or something that shows like which players have gotten the most unlucky when it comes to strike calls it's probably something that's very hard to like quantify and figure out but i would love to see something like that because you like we have ump scorecards which shows like how bad teams have been screwed over by the umps but other than that um i just think it's 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 really interesting when you look at them you can go ahead and this whole idea this trend that i've been talking about you know it's it's pretty actually um, widespread right now. Seattle Times, Seattle Sports, just about everyone over the last three days has, um, even Fangraphs talked about it a week ago. So over this past week, it's been, um, a lot of people are noticing it. This is really fascinating stuff. And I just, like, just for a little bit of reference, I went on to umpscorecards.com checking out where the Mariners rank among teams that have been screwed over like the most. They have had a total of negative one runs um, in their favor this year, which certainly not good. Um, This is really surprising to me. The Astros have just gotten pummeled by the umps, LJ. Negative 6.5 runs of total favor. The next closest is the Reds at negative 5.17. Um, and when you look at it in terms of like the percent of games they've been favored in, the Mariners actually have been favored in over 50% of their games. And of course that's for the whole team, but just interesting stuff to look at where, you know, you can just see how well these teams fare with, with how I should say how, how lucky they get with these, with these umpires. Um, 
just really interesting site that you should definitely check out and we're definitely going to be talking about them more when we see some very bad or good um scorecards um for sure yeah and i just um actually i don't know how we missed this story from last thursday brandon scott surveys got thrown out of a game over this exact issue really in tampa yeah he uh he gets ejected from the game because he got so heated and upset screaming at the umpire over a Julio Rodriguez strikeout quote, what's going on with Julio right now. It's not right. I sat home for a week and watched it while I had COVID. It's frustrating. I give all the credit in the world to Julio. Not many people could handle things the way he has. He has not barked back. He's not changed his approach. He's not chasing balls out, out of the strike zone, but it's wrong. He's a 21 year old. Let the kid play. Uh, LJ, I just texted you a tweet that I saw and will certainly be um, – actually, hold on. I sent it to you wrong. There you go. Uh, we'll, and we'll certainly retweet it on the MLB Daily Twitter. But it's a bunch of pitches that he struck out on this season. Um, and there's just so many pitches not even close to the strike zone. Uh, like, not even close. I would say, Brandon, you're saying pitches outside the strike zone. There's three in there. There's out of the 14 in the strike zone out of the 14 looking strike excuse me one two three you can maybe say four like maybe, maybe four maybe this is terrible dude's getting absolutely hosed and still finding a way to produce and you know 21 years old just gonna be a cornerstone for this mariners team has real potential at some point in his career to be a 30-30 guy. I mean, if the stolen, we see the stolen bases there. Brandon, I mean, he's getting pitches to hit for the first time in uh, his now major league career, and he's sending him 450 feet. You're talking about 2020 this season. It, you know, yeah. Obviously, the first homer comes today. We're a little over 10% of the way through the season, which is already crazy to say. And this is still a guy that has 0.4 war already. And that's in lieu of all these terrible calls that he's been getting. And just for like a little reference, you look at some of the stuff in the minors he was doing, the stolen bases. For his career in the minors, um, he only played 217 games in the minors. So, you know, if if like that doesn't show you that this guy is just insane. Um 32 stolen bases there, 331 career batting average in the minors. I mean, he tore up the minors so much that they had no choice but to call him up this season. They it's really also did. something to keep in mind, too, that unless you're trying to teach a guy, like when you have natural base-stealing instinct, you don't need to have him, have him steal so much in the minors. If anything, it's more risky because why would you risk getting a guy seriously hurt if, he's not, if it's not translating into major league wins? So, no, absolutely. If I were the team, I wouldn't have him stealing bases at the, nearly the same rate he would in the majors. Absolutely. But this, guy, this guy is literally what you're telling me at 0. .4, 10% of the season of the way through the season. What you're telling me is this guy's getting absolutely hosed by the rep bumps and is still performing to an all-star level because that tracks out to four war. Yeah. That's ridiculous. And a 67 OPS plus. It's ridiculous. Get real, guys. Come on. Well, we can only hope that he will be um, 
that he will not get hosed by the umps as much anymore. Um, but we will certainly have to see where that um, or how that ends up uh, transpiring over the next few months, next few weeks, really any time period you want to pick. But I believe that that's all we have for today's show. Have a great show for tomorrow, our power rankings. Um, definitely some big moves will be made um, in my list um, as some of my top teams have quite the reason to be moved down. Maybe LJ's college football type rankings will, um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. That's all I'll say. It'll be interesting. I can't wait. All right. Well, Brandon. Thank you guys for listening. Check us out all the social medias at MLB Daily Pod. And until then, we will uh, see you. Have a good one. See you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design.